everyone welcome back to the weekly podcast today i'm joined by a good friend of mine usama hi guys thank you for introducing yourself <laughs> i'm glad that you're very enthusiastic about this acha so when we started the podcast what i wanted to do with it was to um, make it informative for everyone who's listening and today's episode is hopefully going to be very informative um, Osama recently graduated from Lums and has secured himself a job at Unilever, which is one of the biggest companies in the world. So I think that uh, his pearls of wisdom can uh, can really <laughs> can really help uh, the youth in Pakistan. So, ah, Osama, tell us something about yourself. Uh, so I recently I graduated a couple of days ago actually with a degree in economics and political science from Lums. Took me four years. That's the standard amount of time it takes. <laughs> well done. Uh, but I did have a gap year in between, so technically it's about five years since graduating high yeah. school. Okay. And uh, I'm starting my job actually on the eighth of July, which is a couple of days from now. I'm going to Karachi. You don't on need Sunday. to say that because I don't know when I'm going to put this out. Oh. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I'm starting. Uh, my job is starting right a week after I graduate. And I don't have a lot of time to put stuff together before I have to move to Karachi, which I a place that I've been to just once, and that was actually for the interview that got me this job. So I don't know a lot about the city that I'm going to, and honestly, not a lot about the stuff, the work that I'm going to be doing. So it's just going to be a new experience for me and a new challenge, and I guess I just have to take that on. Nice, fantastic. Acha, so let's start from uh, high school. So what subjects did you take in A levels? So I, I'm actually going to go a bit further back to O levels. Sure, go ahead. Because uh, to put this in context, like most Pakistani families, my family, my family has a lot of doctors. So uh, in O levels, I took uh, the three basic natural sciences: biology, chemistry, and physics, along with English literature and world history. So uh, I did reasonably well. Not very well in the sciences, but I did reasonably well. You can reveal your grades if you want. Yeah, so I had. Four A's, stars and four A's, but okay. I also had two. Yeah, it's okay. But I also had two B's, which was oh. physics and chemistry. And ironically, those are the subjects that I took forward as well. So in A levels, when I started off, I had uh, physics, chemistry, biology, math, and history. Five subjects at okay. the beginning of okay, yes. I dropped biology because I'm like I don't want to be a doctor, and I don't think I want to do biology. So then I continued with math, history, and physics and chemistry. I applied to a lot of uh, American universities. I took my NCT. I got a 2100, and then I took my ACT as well. I got a 31 on that. So I applied to American universities uh, on the chance that I might get some financial aid that would help me go to college because otherwise it just wouldn't be possible. U.S. education yeah. is ridiculous. So I did not get into. Any American universities, I got into a couple which weren't great, and they didn't give me enough aid uh, to make going there feasible for me. So in the end, the one Pakistani university that I applied to while I was still in high school, I got a conditional, I got a conditional offer from them, which was Lums, and I got that during high school. So around May, I think, or June, I got my conditional request, a conditional offer while I was still taking my CIA exams. Fast forward to August when we get our results. <laughs> And uh, the conditional offer that Lums basically gives is two Bs and a C in any three subjects. I had four subjects and I got the B, but also got three Ds. Yeah, so or the Ds in science subjects. Yeah, there's two science subjects and ironically history as well, which is especially ironic now that I have a degree in political science. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then that meant I had to take a gap year. That meant that I had to because I had gotten accepted once. 
So the policy is that if you got accepted once and you want to apply again because you didn't meet the offer, then you have to take the exams in November. You can't wait for May to take your Cambridge exams if you want to apply again. So I had to take my exams in November and I had to think about what was realistic for me to meet the grade threshold. So did you drop any of the subjects? <clears throat> yeah, I did. So it's not technically dropping because I still have the grade in November. Right, yeah. But uh, I knew I had a B, which was in mathematics, so I thought that was good to go. I didn't need to change much about that. World history, I felt was a subject that I could do better in, which was honestly the most shocking for me getting the D. Uh, physics and chemistry, sure, I got Ds as well, but the best I thought I could have done would probably be a C, maybe a B if I put in a lot of work. But history, honestly, I thought I'd be getting an A. So I decided to repeat history and I added more to literature because I felt that was also a subject that given the two months that I had because I'm getting my result remember in August and then I have to take the exams in October and November. But that's a big risk as well since I mean taking Urdu because you didn't take it for the past two years of A-levels. Yes, yeah, so you have to sort of uh, gauge what you think you can do and what you think is an easy easier option for you because And you thought Urdu me, was going yeah, to be that option. Urdu is a much easier option for me at least than in two months changing that D in a science subject to a C or maybe a B right. because two months for two years of syllabus isn't a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's why I was wondering why you picked Urdu. Exactly. So Urdu is a lot easier in that way. It's literature. I've taken literature courses before. Right. I had English literature in O levels. I got a very good grade in that as well. So I felt comfortable that I could do Urdu. Also, my mother was an Urdu teacher. So I thought I had that advantage. Yeah, because I could sit at home and study from her. Huh. So the next couple of months went by like that. So okay, um, I don't know, but by this time you'd made up your mind on Lums. You didn't want to apply. And was, by the way, was Lums the only Pakistani university you applied to? Lums uh, was till the very end actually. Achha. And I'm going to get to that. Okay. So uh, I didn't need to take the SAT again because my SAT score was valid for a couple of years, and it was a pretty good SAT score. So I didn't really think about that. Um, I didn't apply to any American universities again. I applied to one university in Germany, the Jacobs University in Bremen. Mm -hmm. It is an American university, but it's in Germany, obviously. And uh, that was about it. So I applied to alums again. Um, I'm sorry, the courses at Jacobs are taught in English? They're taught in English. Okay. Yeah, that's primarily the reason that I applied to right. Jacobs, because I didn't think I could bridge the language gap otherwise that most German universities would have, or most Euro European universities for that matter. Germany, so, by the way, is a great option. Uh, most of their public universities, I think all of them are free, but the requirement is that you need to know and speak German. So if you want to study abroad, go to Germany, learn German, and uh, then you can study for free. Uh, anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, so um, by this time, uh, I'm pretty much done with my exams in around November. I've been practicing for the past two months. I was just from August to November, basically. I was just practicing for Urdu, practicing for history. My grades come out somewhere around January. Um, I get uh, an A in Urdu and a C in World History. Again, not as well as I expected to do in World History, but I basically met the criteria for Lums. You met the requirements. Like, at least okay. there's a safety net there, right? Yeah. It's an A, B and a C. I'm not even at the minimum level. I'm just slightly above it, so that's good. And my SAT score is pretty good, so I was thinking I'd get in. So the Lums application deadline's around January. I apply then. I hear back from Jacobs in around March and they say that we're not satisfied with your high school grades so we think you should take a foundation year. So generally European universities and German universities particularly are three year degrees but they wanted me to do a foundation year which would make it four years and they wanted to give me a loan on a significant interest rate so I was like first of all I'm not 
wasting another year on a foundation year because I'm pretty satisfied with my high school education. I don't think I need it and I'm not willing to take a loan for my education either because I just don't think that's a smart option, especially for your bachelor's degree. I think when it comes to your master's, maybe you could give that a go, but I think you're sort of shackling yourself if you're doing that for your bachelor's degree. And so then by that time, then I just had lumps left. Um, I thought of applying to IBM. I didn't apply to IBM. What would you have studied if you had gotten into IBM? I think they had an economics program that I was applying to, but they wouldn't have had political science, which would have, would, would have been an issue, because that's actually what I wanted to study. By the way, before applying to university, did you have a good idea of what you wanted to do after? Yeah, uh, after university? Or after university. Doing, after university. So, I always, while I was applying to university, I always had the CSS in mind, because I felt that that's where I wanted to go, and specifically the foreign office because I'd been uh, going to Model United Nations for the longest time and I just, international relations and that sort of stuff fascinated me. So I thought of the foreign office and people said civil service was a good way to go in Pakistan at least. So I sort of had that in mind. By May, uh, I started getting a bit nervy because uh, the admission students from Lambda are coming in and mine is in here. So I give them a call and I realized then that there was a bit of an issue with uh, the name that I had on my passport and the name that I had on my educational documents. So the name that I applied with the lumps, the name that's on all my Cambridge certificates, is Osama Ahmed Malik. The name on my passport is Osama Ahmed. So to cross-check, they usually match names and dates. So I call them up and I'm like, do you have my SAT score? I applied to Osama Ahmed Malik. They give you a tracking ID for your application. So I told them my tracking ID. They're like, uh, we can't seem to locate your SAT score. I'm like, okay, this is my SAT score to Samayama that you guys had. They're like, okay, your application is complete. This is around April or May. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, okay, it's they have it now. Uh, decisions usually roll around till late July, I think, or the beginning of July. So I still have a couple of months to go. In June is when I start panicking because I still don't have my lunch decision. I've already taken a gap here. I have no other universities in the pipeline, so I apply for NUST. Okay. Yeah. Did you apply to the business school? I applied to the business school. Right. So again, I never thought I'd be applying for NUST because don't get me wrong, NUST is a great university, but I just, firstly, I wanted to leave Islamabad because I didn't want to live at home. And fair, uh, fair, fair yeah, so I just felt like in order to grow and gain some more exposure, I needed to leave home and I needed to leave the city that I was born in, I've been living in for the longest time. So that's why I wanted lumps and also escape the Islamabad bubble. So thankfully by July, after, weeks of calling them, they knew my name. I used to call and they used to know my name already because I called Did them so many times. They know you as Osama Ahmed Osama Ahmed <laughs> I don't know, they just knew me as Osama and they knew me as like the sad kid that kept calling them and asking why this decision was coming. But by July I got my uh, decision and finally had some clarity about what I was going to be doing for the next four years. So I took up that offer. I joined LUMS at the end of August, I think was my orientation. Right. And that's when LUMS started for me, the four years. That have been pretty good to me, honestly. So yeah, that's how I navigated that treacherous gap right. here. So now you've made it to Lums. Yeah. Great. Great university you got in, that's awesome. Now now, now what? Like, how, how did you manage the whole Lums life and all that? Because from what I've heard from even you and other people is that Lums can get quite competitive. So did you feel that from the get-go? I did. Because uh, it's a bit of a cliche when you speak about universities in this way, but it's true as well. You basically have a couple of students that do well in school that have been 
successful. I played sports in school. I debated in school, and I did reasonably well academically, at least till the end of A levels. But uh, so you're that kid who's used to doing well, who's used to doing well in a lot of different things. Then you get to university, and everybody's been doing well in their respective schools. So you're starting again, and it's a lot more competitive because. If you think about it that way, if you're at a good university, that means some of the best students from good schools are there as well. So it's a lot more competitive in that way. Also, by the time I get to Lums, a lot of my motivation for getting an education sort of dissipated, at least in the first year, okay, or being that? very competitive because it's just been a bit of a grind for me the past two years. Okay. Spe- uh, specifically, the gap year. How did you keep yourself busy, sorry, in your gap year? I didn't have much to do. My friends <laughs> left for university. A lot of my friends were abroad. Uh, Mazamil was in the Netherlands at the time. All my other friends were abroad as well. Um, family is usually busy with work, and I had a younger brother who was in school. Uh, I had a cousin that lived with me for the longest time. He'd gone to Lahore for his uh, medical studies. So it was just a lot of time at home, a lot of time reading. Uh, I played football a lot. About every other every other day or every day, but yeah, it's not enough. It gets it's, it, it gets sad. It gets lonely. It gets depressing. You need to be pretty strong to get through a gap year, in my opinion. If you don't have something to do, so you and wouldn't advise a gap year. It depends on why you take a gap year. Right. If you take a gap year yourself, and if you made that decision uh, cognizant of the fact that these are the hardships that are going to come your way, then I think you're a lot better prepared. My gap year wasn't of my choosing. So I have to carry that burden as well because this is just something that I've been thrust into that I wasn't ready because by this time I thought I'd be, by the time I'm waiting for my lumps decision again, I should have been, got, I should have got to a year of college by that time. Yeah. So that's what I had in mind and that's not what I got. So if you have something to do, a gap year could be great. It's a lot of soul search. I did a lot of soul searching. I got a lot of time to think about things that I wouldn't have thought about otherwise. Okay. And uh, I think it also opens your eyes about the people around you. I think you get to realize who's there for you, who's not there for you, the people that'll stand by your side even when the going gets tough, when times get tough. So it's okay, I learned a lot from my gap year. Whatever happened, I was going to go to Lums the previous year anyways. All I did was take a year off and I yeah. ended up at the same university. So you ended up back in Lums. Too. Yeah, so. So as the years progressed, did Lums get more challenging? As the years progressed, I think Lums got a lot easier for me. Okay. Because the biggest challenge for me wasn't Lums and academics per se. The biggest challenge was just this massive environment that you're thrust into that is so diverse and so different from anything that anyone from a Islamabad private school probably experienced. Yeah, exactly. Very different from Islamabad. Exactly. There's so very little diversity. We went to Head Start, which had a graduating class of 100 Barely. when we graduated. And uh, when I got in, my uh, my batch was around eight, nine hundred, or a thousand people, and the difference isn't just the number of people. It's also where these people are coming from, the languages that they speak, even their socio-economic background. So there's different things that you're experiencing all at once, and I don't think any kid from Islamabad is usually ready for stuff like that. Another issue that I had was I was going alone. I'm not an extremely social person, but I'm not a lightly. social person. Yeah, to put it lightly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I had a bit of difficulty making friends, adjusting to my new surroundings, different languages, different people, 
Head Start's a safe space because you keep enduring the same things yeah. for the 15 years that you're there. I was there about 15 years, I think. Yeah, that was another thing. You didn't really change schools. Exactly. So you were in the same school for so long. So I had the comfortable same in that environment. friends for the longest time, the same school, the same teachers. So that all is sort of a bubble that you get, that you're part of and then it's not comfortable and you try to leave that bubble. So when I left for lungs, that bubble burst immediately and yeah. for the first year it was just a bit of a challenge in getting used to that sort of stuff. And then I had economics and political science. I'd never studied economics in my life. Uh, I wanted <laughs> you still to decide to go for the degree. Yeah, because I wanted to do political science, but I realized that if I shackle myself to just a political science degree, then I'd be setting myself up for maybe just academics. And I, that's not something, or, or research. And that's not something that I wanted to do. I wanted to have a slightly diverse field of jobs at least, or opportunities in the future that I could look towards. And that's why I chose economics as well, because the social science like that is it's vague enough that you have a lot more opportunities going forward. So the degree that I chose ultimately then was economics and political science. Right. And it took me a lot of time getting up to speed with economics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Political science was fun. It was a lot of stuff that I already done, so it wasn't much of a challenge for me. Throughout my four years, actually. Economics was what gave me my headaches, what... Uh, <laughs> made me feel like maybe I might not get that degree because mm. there's a lot of stuff that I just could not comprehend when it came to economics. And um, that's why it was tough, but thankfully, I somehow made friends. I was friends stuck by me for the next four years, so I got lucky. Yeah, I was actually about to ask well. you, um, how long did it take you before you like became comfortable and made friends? So I made friends pretty quickly because they have an orientation week and you get to meet new people and the purpose of that week is basically just so you get to know more people, you get to make friends before you start classes and all that and it starts to get tough. And you, well, before, even when classes start actually, there's a month or two where everybody's just more focused on gelling and making friends rather than they are on academics. So I made friends by the end of it. it took me a bit of time getting comfortable with everyone, yes, but I made friends by early and like I said, those friends are still my friends today. They're the group of people that I hang out with. I'm very thankful to that, that I got to make friends that early because it would have been a lot harder as time progressed to get to meet people. Once everybody's made friends, because the thing about university is when you're coming in, a lot of people don't have friends. A lot of people are looking to make friends. A lot of people are looking to meet other people. If a year goes by, then everybody has friends already. Groups are set. It's difficult to get in, difficult to meet new people. It shouldn't be, but it is. So I was lucky in that regard that I made those friends and they stuck by me for those four years. And with time, eventually, living in Lahore, uh, I sort of acclimatized. I understood the diversity, I accepted the diversity, I accepted the different challenges that Lahore, uh, you face in Lahore as compared to Islamabad. What are those challenges? Like, what makes Lahore so much, uh, so different from Islamabad? <clears throat> to put it, Lightly, uh, Lahore is busier, faster. Islamabad is a very slow city. There's not much going on in Islamabad. The pace of life is pretty slow. Lahore is quick. Uh, the people are a lot more open, which is great. In Islamabad, you get an insulated vibe most of the times. So people aren't willing to branch out, but everybody's friendly in Lahore. They can be rude as well. It goes both ways. <laughs> Uh, Lahore, in terms of, if you look at it as a university student, if you look at it as, is Lahore safer? It's not safer. Um, obviously, again, there's insulated areas in Lahore which are a lot safer. 
defense in Lahore is pretty safe where Lums is. Yeah, but you move out of that and then it does get it can get frightening <laughs> for a kid from Islam. A lot of people don't leave that defense bubble though in Lahore. Thankfully I did. Yeah. Because uh, here's another thing. All my friends were from Lahore, my closest friends. So I got to see a lot more of Lahore because of that. If I'd had uh, friends from other cities, maybe we might just have been tourists in that city. But because I knew a lot of people from Lahore, I got to branch out, I got to see a lot of the different things that the sites in Lahore that people wouldn't see otherwise, mm-hmm. which was great. Uh, and that's why I sort of started to understand the city a lot more and I started to become a lot more comfortable in the city. Right. Again, I've lived in Islamabad most of my life, so I'm a lot more comfortable here still. But it got to the point where before I went to Lahore, I was afraid because we've all heard stories, right? But now Lahore is honestly like a second home to me. It doesn't make a difference whether I'm in Islamabad, whether I'm in Lahore. I have family in Lahore as well, which is which was pretty helpful actually. Yeah, did that thing make things easier, getting used to everything? It's good to have family or somebody that you can go to after a couple of weeks, uh, just sort of recuperate from the university lifestyle, just sort of you know calm down take your time and just settle down because again university can get pretty fast paced and it's its own world and you sort of forget what's happening outside the walls of the university a lot of times and it's good that you can go back to your family take a couple of days rest up and just sort of get out of that race that university sometimes becomes and that's why I thought that family was really helpful for me in that regard. So since you took that gap here uh, I know that there were some people from our batch who were atlums who were a year senior to you. So did that ever like bother you in any way that you've been like left behind or like you're a year behind your own classmates from school? Did that ever have an impact on your on your life? Honestly, not really. I didn't really care. Okay. Uh, what bothered me more, it, it did bother me that people had left me behind. It bothered me that people thought that I was, because I didn't think that way. People thought, it bothered me that people thought that uh, I was something less because I took a gap year. Hmm. Again, I was forced into it. People didn't expect it of me, but that doesn't mean that, and this is going back to what I said, where you find out that people, you f- sort of realize who's there for you and who's not there for you. Because, uh, again, I've said I'm not the most social person. I can also be, I had the habit of being a bit condescending at times. Just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, so, when I did get my gap here, yeah. a lot of the people, and uh, a lot of the people that had said stuff like, uh, that. I thought I'd been friends at least, would be going around saying stuff stuff like, this was bound to happen to him, he's this sort of a person, he's a bit too arrogant, he's a bit too condescending, stuff like that, this stuff catches up to you. So in that time I'm thankful to the people that stood by me, but you also realize that who's there for you, who's not there for you, and also you realize what you need to change about yourself and the perception that you're giving off. So it did matter a lot to me that I got left behind by my friends or even batchmates. Again, that stuff doesn't really matter at the end of the day because, and I keep saying this right now to my friends as well, because uh, obviously we're all, we've all graduated now and we're all looking for jobs and everybody's sort of worried that they haven't gotten a job straight off the bat and I keep saying this, and this was even more true back in the day. We're just 22, I'm 22 right now. I'm going to turn 23 in a month or so in July, but we're just 22 and we already feel like we have this pressure to get everything done right now. We need to have a job, we need to settle down, but it shouldn't be that way. And it was even more true back then. So by the time I got into university, I was 19, even after a gap year. So I didn't feel like I wasted a lot of time because I'm still just 19. By the time I finish university, I'll be 22. It's not a lot of time. 
I have a lot of time left in the future, so it doesn't really yeah. make a difference if somebody's ahead of me, somebody's behind me, because I know a lot of people that were still behind me. Even though I had a gap year, a lot of people had two gap years. Mm. And it should make a difference to them as well, because we were still kids at that time. And four years of university is nothing. It doesn't matter if you graduated 25, honestly, because you still have, hopefully, 60 years of life ahead of you. <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of time to get what you want done. Very wise words. Um, wise man, of course, of course you are. So, so lungs generally, was, was it all good? What were some of the challenges you faced there, apart from like the fitting in aspect? Hmm. Some of the challenges, um, academically, I'll start academically. There, there was a bit of a sort of a polarizing aspect to the faculty. I guess that happens everywhere. You meet instructors that you like, you meet instructors that you don't like. But for me, for example, starting off in economics, it was a bit of an issue at, at, uh, at introductory courses especially because you often hear that university faculty isn't great because they want to research and they're not really fond of teaching. So you sometimes come across people that aren't really fond of teaching mm. and looking to put in that effort and they're mainly just there for research. But then again, you meet some great instructors as well and I did that, I did during my time at Lums. And I credit some of them with helping me get through the economics phase of my degree because, like I said, I didn't think I'd graduate with an economics degree at least at one point. I thought I'd just have to shift to political science because it was that tough. But academically, it is a challenge. It's graded on a curve, which means that you're always in competition with other people. So it doesn't matter if you're getting uh, the number of marks that you're getting isn't the only thing that you're considering, right? It's also how well other people are doing. So that's where the competition comes in. Were a lot of your friends from your batch studying the same thing? And did that competitiveness ever play a role in your friendship? Like, did you ever become super competitive with your friends or them with you? So, my degree again was economics and political science. Most of my friends were computer science majors. Okay. And I had one friend at the beginning who was an economics and political science major. She shifted to political science. And by the end, I had a friend in the last year who shifted to economics and political science. There was no competitiveness between us. At least I was never competitive with anyone because my first year is probably one of the worst years GPA-wise at any university. Not one of the worst, but I was pretty bad. So I was never competitive in that regard. And that lasted till, my, uh, till the end, if I'm honestly, I don't really care about GPA. I don't think I have a lot to compete with, honestly. I graduated with a 2.94, which isn't very competitive, but I never felt the drive either. To, I always wanted to get my GPA because uh, after my first year, my GPA was at 2. Save myself from probation, thankfully. Uh, but when, when are you under probation? Uh, under 2. Under 2, okay. Yeah, so I was at a 2.01, I think. And how much time does Lums give you to get out of that? So if you're under two, if, if basically they look at your CGPA, right? So if your CGPA goes below two, you're on probation. And if in the next semester, you don't bring it above two, your CGPA, not your semester GPA, then you're kicked out of university. Okay. Right. But if you bring it above two, then you're oh, what they call good academic standing again. And then you need to go on probation again, then you get another semester to bring it up if you don't. So then you kicked out. Right. So you just made it past? I just made it past. So was that, did that add pressure on you for like your second year? Uh, I think it sort of gave me a push. Okay. Because like I said, my first year I wasn't really studying much. 
or that motivated you to do work harder? Yeah. So at the end of my year, I'm like, okay, I've sort of had enough of this life of just scraping by and uh, instructors' office visits to make sure that I'm passing and I'm not getting kicked out of university. So I need to get my stuff together uh, and uh, just you know focus a bit more on academics as well. Yeah. And uh, it took me a semester. Like my second year's first semester wasn't great again. I got a two point three or two point four. But then I started putting in the effort, started taking more political science courses, which was important. Yeah. And delaying a bit of my economics courses that I wasn't doing well in. And I eventually bought up my GP. And my goal was never to be on the dean's honor list or anything. I just wanted to get to a GPA that one wouldn't affect my application to master's programs in the future. So something around it's three. And I'm very happy that I graduated with a 2.94. And another, uh, also a GPA that wouldn't affect my ability to get jobs maybe. Right. I know that even at this GPA, there's still a few jobs that I can't apply to, but just generally that it wouldn't become a, a massive hindrance to me getting a job. And that's why I'm comfortable with what I graduated with. Right. Okay. So when you start thinking about jobs, when you were at university, at Labs, when did you start thinking about jobs? When did you first apply? Uh, so in my third year, after my third year, in the summer semester between third year and fourth year, I, I took a summer semester for two months and then I had a month left of holidays, a month, a month and a half. Mm -hmm. So that's when I realized I needed an internship. Right. Did you have no work experience before this? I had this? no work experience before that. So then I applied for an internship to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, okay. worked there for a month and a half. Nice. Or a month. Dates are a bit fuzzy, honestly. <laughs> But uh, got a good bit of work experience because, like I said, I always wanted to work in the foreign office. So, so that would have been a good exposure. Yeah, uh, I realized how the place works, what they have to do. Got to work in a bit of different divisions, contributed some research. That's good. And uh, so, but just before I got started my fourth year, I had a bit of work experience, had something to show right. uh, other than my academics. And when fourth year gets started, it's just every day. A month into the first semester of fourth year, mm -hmm. senior year, and they basically uh, companies come to Lums to recruit you. Okay. Uh, they don't test you there. A lot of them, some companies test you, but a lot of them will just have info sessions about application dates and stuff like that. And that's almost every day a different company is coming in. So then you start to feel the pressure because everybody is feeling the pressure because everybody wants a job. Obviously, at the end of the day, people want something to show for their education as well, and they want to move forward in life. So, right. but did you ever consider um, going for your masters instead, straight off? The I bat? never wanted to do a master straight off the bat. Okay. I wanted to work for a couple of years because I also thought of the CSS. So right. I wanted to do that before I went for my masters. I'd always envisioned a two or three year gap uh, before I went for my masters. Uh, the CSS now is sort of not become a priority for me. I don't think I'm going to do that because obviously I'm doing a different stream. But uh, yeah, the job thing starts to get to you. You need to pick and choose and you need to make sure that you're not getting pushed down too hard and you're not worrying too much because that can also affect your job search. That can affect your job application. That can affect your interviews. You don't want to seem over eager. Mm -hmm. You don't want to seem like you're desperate for that job. Of course. It's just about picking and choosing where you think you want to work because I think you need to give value to who you are at the end of the day as well. Uh, you need to realize that people need to want to, uh, should want to have you there, and you shouldn't just accept anything that might be below what you think that you deserve as well. So if a company doesn't treat you right, don't go for the company just because you think that you need a job straight away. 
uh, obviously I'm not saying that you should hold such high standards that uh, are unrealistic but realistically at the end of the day just make sure that you're not being exploited that you're working somewhere where it's fun to work for you and you're doing something that you like because that's what's most important at the end of the day and you will get success if you're doing what you like and uh, Unilever for example was great for me because by the time I started applying for Unilever and I got through a couple of the interview phases I had a friend that was working there and I sort of stopped applying for other jobs because I was like okay this is it this is my shot I'm going to go for this if it doesn't happen then we'll see what happens you know so you just let everything go yeah I applied for a couple of other companies and then I just I, I stopped even though I got for it into a couple of other stages for a couple of other companies as well but I just stopped because I was like okay why not focus my effort here a place where I know it's fun to work a place where I know that they're looking to make an impact not just make money uh, where they have goals where they have a vision and I think I can contribute to that and it could be a great learning experience for me as well so why not put my effort into that rather than you know just running around after every job and every company that comes visits and gives information session yeah that makes sense so when did the whole application process with Unilever start and uh, how long was that entire process so there's a couple of stages to the process in March I think is their application deadline and the application deadline is basically you fill out your information give them an email address stuff like that fill, fill in your academics and then they have you take uh, a game-based assessment okay so it's a set of I think 12 games uh, which you can play on your phone you can choose or whatever and they're testing a lot of different things it's, it's also very unique compared to the other companies because the other companies sort of had like questions and scenarios but this was it tested reaction time it tested risk-taking approaches and stuff like that so it's pretty interesting and it's not the sort of thing that you can prepare for right. it's not the sort of thing that you can even try a couple of times and get the hang of I'm sure that would have made a lot of people panic as it well it did and there were people around me that were taking multiple tests but I was just like if I can't get a reaction based game the first time I'm not going to be able to change my reaction so significantly that I'll pass the game right your reactions are your reactions they're not going to change overnight but uh, I cleared that once you clear that, uh, once you take the game, I'm sorry. Was there a minimum uh, grade requirement before it's you could not apply? A grade requirement. So no, before you could even apply. It, no, 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 no. Okay. So we just applied. You just I applied. don't think I disclosed my GPA till I got my job offer. I don't think they asked for it. I might be wrong about that. Not sure. Uh, but yeah. So once you take the game, yeah, you play the game. Uh, you get an email replying and. When you apply, before you play the game, when you're filling out that information, you also need to choose the functions that you're applying to. So a function, for example, I apply to human resources. You could apply to consumer development, such as sales. You could apply to supply chain, marketing, stuff like that. I applied to human resources. I got an email back saying that I passed the game and I was on to the next round. And this is March to April okay. that I'm getting this email for the next round. So I think it's late March that I got the email for the second round. The second round is a video based interview. They have pre-recorded questions and a, they have a set of questions and an interface that you have to sort of record answers for. Okay. So it's just you set up your computer, you sit in front of it, they give you a scenario, you assess the scenario and then you record your response and you send it to the company. The company takes its time, they go through those interviews, they see each of them and then they select people for an assessment center which was towards the end of April for me. So I specifically remember the date, I think it was the 26th of April or the 25th of April. 
and what you have to do is you have to go to Karachi towards uh, where the head office is in Karachi and at the guest houses you have an assessment center for every specific function has a different day for the assessment center. So my assessment center went, uh, we had 12 prospective candidates for the human resources position and they make you do a variety of exercises, group based tasks, individual presentations, stuff like that and it starts at around 9 in the morning or 10 in the morning goes up to around 4.35, 6 maybe. So it's a full work day. It's a full work day. And uh, it's interesting. Again, it's, you're meeting people that you've never met in your life and you have to work with them. And you're sort of also competing against each other. So it's a fine Did that remind that you of Lamsa a little? It didn't remind me of Lamsa because I was never sort of in direct competition at least with anybody at Lamsa. We were never vying for the same position or something like that. At the end, there was just a GPA that we were trying to get towards and everybody had their own GPAs. But this is just one position or two right. positions that a group of people are trying to compete towards. But you can't let competitiveness get in the way of you working together and you need to work together for it to work. And it's a bit of a challenge. It's a fine line that you have to sort of thread and make sure that one, you get yourself across as a good candidate but also you don't discourage anyone else ever because everybody should have a fair shot. You don't discourage anyone, you make everybody feel comfortable enough to give their best shot as well. And at the end of the day, then it's up to the recruiter to decide who they felt was the best candidate. And if you do get it, that's fine. And if you don't, then there's other opportunities as well. And then after that, in a couple of days, you get a call for a CEO interview. Uh, that's I, the final stage? That's the final stage. So I took mine over Skype with the CEO of Unilever and it was a sort of 15 minute interview where you sort of speak to her. She was actually, it was a very enlightening conversation because she told me the way that HR is moving to in the future, what changes are going to be made, what the company is looking for. And uh, then after that round, they give you a call in a couple of days and tell you if you made it or not. Right. Okay. So, what life experiences or extracurricular activities Model United helped you? <laughs> okay. Uh, I started, so, Mali United Nations helped you out a lot. Yeah, because yeah, I started money when I was in 01, I think, mm -hmm. in 2010. By the time my assessment center rolled around, it had been nine years and I had money for about six or seven of them. Right. And I had been to a lot of conferences. <laughs> uh, I had been to conferences abroad, in Turkey, in India, in uh, Budapest. And I'd been to local conferences as well, all over the country, and they gave me the confidence and sort of the communicative, the ability to communicate with people, get my message across confidently, uh, sort of hold my own when it came to questioning, uh, be able to articulate my ideas, be able to come up with new ideas on the spot because if you're money, you have to do a lot of that, and. It didn't just help me with my assessment center, it helped me when I was giving presentations in university. Uh, there was another project that I started uh, for uh, a course that I was taking, it's called Peace. And again, it helped me a lot in that because wherever you go, the communication skills that Model United Nations is going to teach you. Obviously, there's a lot of negative aspects that come in as well with like running. I think there's an overconfidence that comes into it. There's People start thinking that they're smarter than everyone because they're more aware of a lot of things. But the communication that it's going to teach you is going to help you every step of the way throughout your life. Because that's a skill that you're going to need wherever you go and whatever point you're at in life. And I'm really thankful that I invested a lot of time into everyone's 
but that sort of paid off for me in the end as well nice okay well uh, that was a very enlightening conversation there's a lot to take away from this uh, i think listening to this or watching this can be really helpful to anyone who's uh, still in school or at university uh, yeah definitely check this check this out listen to his pearls of wisdom like as like i already announced that he would have for you and uh, he has delivered thank you very much sama thank you